We begin today by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we record this podcast. We pay our respects to the Elders past and present. We extend our respect to the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. Hi guys, welcome to Bumps and Besties, a podcast about navigating the journey to motherhood through fertility struggles, friendship, and all the bumps along the way. I'm your host, Lexi, along with my co-host and bestie. Hi, I'm Amy. Our podcast is here to explore the often tricky, usually emotional path to motherhood through the lens of two besties on two different paths. Laugh with us, cry with us, and know wherever you're at on your journey, you're never alone because your besties are here and we have your back. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Bumps and Besties. Good morning. How are we all going? Hoping everyone is well and feeling rested and healthy. Unlike my dear self, (laughs) apologies for the croakiness to anybody who is listening and is triggered by the sound of a a croaky, sniffly voice. I do apologize. I'm on the tail end of a cold that my child gave me. So here we are. Yeah, (laughs) in the room today, a little bit of hay fever on my end, a cold on Lexi's end. So we apologize if we don't sound our normal clear clarified cells. Yeah, I think it also like the Gold Coast has the weirdest weather at the moment. It's quite chilly at night and then it's still really hot during the day. Yeah. It's like swimming weather during the day and then trackies at night. It's yeah. quite strange. Yeah. But it's beautiful. It's wonderful. It is. <laughs> it's oh, just a... Yeah. Very nice and sunny. We're not having the rain, which we've been having for so long, which has been lovely. Yeah, How nice. are you this week, Amy? I'm good. Um, so I actually went to see my clinic both yesterday and today, and I collected some medicines today. So we are going to start our process all over again. Yep. So we did confirm that unfortunately the transfer we did just before Easter didn't take, and that was mm. our last frozen embryo. So we are starting again um, with some changes to the protocol that we normally do. So um, a bit of a higher dose, some added extra supplementary medications and vitamins in there um and yeah just trying some different things so i will start my injections tomorrow and we will go all over again and i will try and maybe film some content for you guys and a bit of a insight into how the process goes and probably share that with you on our socials and tiktok and instagram and stuff like that yeah um but yeah looking forward to starting again and you know it's like a fresh start yeah it is yeah. it's a whole new cycle because you're starting from scratch so yeah for those who don't know um the last time you had an egg collection prior to this was august last august year last so year, it's yeah, been oh no a little bit before that actually it probably would have been because we were away so it would have been june july last year oh, wow. um so it's been a while because i was lucky that we did get four embryos to freeze out of that so for those who are new and tuning in um i've had five transfers so far two that resulted in pregnancy and miscarriage and three that didn't take at all mm-hmm. so we are going into cycle number six now um and probably hopefully transferring two embryos which is new for us because we have been doing singleton transfers um obviously with not a lot of luck so moving forward probably looking at double embryo transfers which hopefully gives us at least one sticky one that's fingers and fallopian (laughs) tubes are all crossed for you (laughs) (laughs) well we are going to talk about the first trimester today and 
the reason we are going to talk about that is because we've been keeping a little secret from you. <laughs> we've been doing a little sneaky one on you guys. Um, we are talking first trimester fears and symptoms because I'm actually finishing my first trimester tomorrow with my second child. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's an exciting and terrifying time. Though. <laughs> so they'll be what, Bub and Ted will be 18? 18 months, 18 months apart. <laughs> So that'll be very little. Yeah, Hands no, we have it. We have a bit of a joke going on. So when I fell pregnant with Ted, we've been trying for eight months, and then when I fell pregnant with my daughter, yes, it's a girl. Um, we had been not trying, but not not trying for eight months. So clearly, I have some kind <laughs> of weird eight. eight month egg cycle going on. <laughs> but yeah, we're very excited. I'm certainly feeling so much better than I have been previously. So now you understand the mysterious week that I missed. I had gastro, <laughs> a viral infection and first trimester sickness. Fun time. All in the same week. So it's been a bit of a rough trot. So we thought, you know what, now is a really good time to go through it. We've obviously both been through yep. first trimester. One of your pregnancies, you got up to 10 weeks. Mm -hmm. So almost completed that first trimester. And um, I think on the other side, it'll be really interesting to kind of compare my first trimester with Ted, which was riddled with anxiety and fear, and then my first trimester with my daughter now. So I think we can offer some really interesting yeah. perspective and from your side of things as well. I know you sort of had ups and downs and a bit of Absolutely. a roller coaster over your whole 10 yeah. weeks. So why don't we start on your end, mm -hmm. walk us through your first 10 weeks, what were your symptoms and also what were your fears? So I think, so if we go to that first pregnancy was the one that did get to 10 weeks, I think there wasn't actually initially a lot of fear going into it. So at the very beginning, and I mean like when finding out I was pregnant, there wasn't so much fear. It was definitely excitement. It was our first embryo transfer and I got pregnant. So we mm. were like, oh my God, like Magic. this is amazing. Like we're going to be one and done. We're going to be that miracle. Um, for me, the biggest symptom that happened in both my pregnancies was the instant fatigue. So I'm talking like less than two weeks post embryo transfer. So you're around about four to five weeks pregnant. I was, I'm not a napper. I run on yeah. very little sleep usually. I'm, I'm good on five to six hours. I'm go, go, go all day. I'm a night owl. But I was getting to two, three o'clock in the afternoon and I was passed out on the couch. Yeah. Like just not coping with a full day. Um, so the fatigue just hit me. And I found that the second time around too. I knew it had worked because I was again sleeping on the couch at two o'clock yeah. in the afternoon. Yeah. But so going into it initially, I was like, oh, like, I'm exhausted and my boobs hurt and I'm feeling nauseous. Like surely this hasn't actually worked first mm. way around. Um, so I went into it quite excited. I'm not the kind of person who can hold out for a blood test. I pee on a stick every day <laughs> from about three to five days post transfer. Yeah. Um, as soon as I can get an early positive, I am trying for it. I actually got quite an early positive. So my first transfer was a fresh transfer. Mm -hmm. So they do that at three days and I tested positive four days after that. So it was only technically what you would be seven days post ovulation, oh, which crazy. is very, very yeah. early. Um, 
But so I tested positive then. So I knew going into my blood test at my clinic that it was positive. Mm. Um, I'd watched the lines get darker. I'd got the digitals. I watched the weeks increase. So I was fairly confident and fairly excited. Um, we got in. My first blood test was great. My levels were three times what they needed them to be to meet yeah, their wow. kind of expected requirement. And everything looked perfect. And we were like, oh, my God, like, this is amazing. So they don't. So from then on, you go back for a second blood test about a week later. And so my anxiety was very, very low. I was like, this is all looking great. Went back for the second blood test and my HCG hadn't doubled in the time it was supposed to. It wasn't mm -hmm. too far under, but it wasn't quite where we'd want it to be. And I was still feeling all these symptoms, but it just didn't seem right. Um, I started to get quite anxious and my GP, God love her, um, agreed to test my HCG again in three days time to see how it's tracking and at that point it had pretty much plateaued yeah, and i was wow. like all right so then i went back to my clinic the following week um they did their own tests and it definitely wasn't doubling it had slowed right down so your hcg is meant to double about every 48 hours in early pregnancy um as you get further into that first trimester it slows down to around about 72 hours mm -hmm. mine was only doubling about every 60 hours at the beginning and then it slowed down to every like something like 150 hours like it was way off so they said to us like this is not going to be a viable pregnancy it's plateaued so much that we think you're having an ectopic pregnancy and with and that's when it doesn't implant in the right place no right? So that's where it implants in your fallopian tube so that is extremely dangerous. It can mm. be a life-threatening condition um, for the mother. It's it's not a viable pregnancy. If you have an implantation in your fallopian tube, you cannot continue with the pregnancy. It has to be deconceived. So they said to me, we think you're having an ectopic. And I was like, well, it's not really as painful as I was told an ectopic because usually you get a sharp pain yeah. in that fallopian yeah. tube. And blood? And yeah, but see, bleeding can be normal in a lot of pregnancies early. Yeah, right. So it's, they always say to me, like, even in my last pregnancy, like spotting and bleeding can be normal. Mm -hmm. Don't panic and let yourself stress about that. Mm -hmm. Just get checked out. But I wasn't getting all the other symptoms of an ectopic and mainly that crippling pain that they said I should have been getting. So my clinic were very firm in the fact that they were sure I was having an ectopic pregnancy because of the way those HCG levels basically leveled out. Mm -hmm. So at this point, we were about six and a half weeks and they said to me, you need to go and have an urgent scan because if it is an ectopic pregnancy, it has to be sorted straight away, like mm -hmm. within mm -hmm. the hours because it can be fatal. So we were sent to an offsite clinic because the clinic I go to only has certain specialists and certain doctors and scanners on at certain times of the day. Mm -hmm. And it was the afternoon and I had missed that point. So they gave me a referral to a different clinic. So they weren't really aware of the ins and outs of the situation. All that they really had on my referral was early pregnancy scan abnormalities. And I guess they do that to try and not push them to a conclusion exactly. or yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think like that. that's what it is. So um, it, it, whoever is doing your scan is just going in to see what they can see yeah. rather than having a preconceived idea of what they think they're going to go and see. Yeah, exactly. So the sonographer didn't have a lot of information themselves and my husband and I went in pretty somber because we had just been told that we were confirming an ectopic pregnancy and that was that so we went into this scan six and a half weeks you generally are slightly too early to see a heartbeat mm. you might see a fetal pole you might see a sac um it depends person by person but we were expecting an ectopic so we walked in we lay down and we started getting scanned and 
things were flicking across the screen and if you've done IVF or you've been pregnant or you've done some research, you kind of know what you're seeing. Was this your first scan for a pregnancy? This was our first pregnancy scan. Okay, so yeah. I've had plenty of internal scans for my organs, my ovaries, my uterus, all mm-hmm, those things. Mm-hmm. It's very much the same process except this time we are obviously concentrating firmly on the uterus we were seeing things flick across the screen and i'm looking at my husband thinking like are you seeing what i think i'm seeing because mm. that doesn't make sense and i must have looked awfully confused because the sonographer looked at me looked at my husband looked at the screen and went well um that that's your fetus and that's its heartbeat and i was just like what what and she's like, yeah, yeah, so that little bean-shaped thing there, like that that's the, the baby and, you know, that flickering is its heartbeat and that's mm. what that flashing is. And we were like, this isn't right. Like that that's the opposite of what we were told was happening here. Mm. And we weren't really excited. We were confused. Yeah. We were like, you've got this wrong. Someone's yeah. made a mistake somewhere. Like, yeah, this is not what we're expecting. Because at that point, you're sort of like, okay, well, were the bloods wrong? Because what we can see is obviously so different to what we my have been body. told the bloods were indicating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we were like, oh, this is all very, very weird. And we're like, so it's not an ectopic? And she's like, oh, no, absolutely not. Like, you know, you, you've got a not just a sack and a fetal pole. Like, we can see the fetus. We can see a heartbeat. Yeah. You're good. And we were like, oh, okay, that's so weird. And so obviously they write their report and it gets sent over to the clinics. So we had to wait um, a couple of days to get that actually through. And the clinic were like, yeah, no, like what they saw is right, but it just doesn't match up mm. what your bloods are saying. And at this point, I'm still feeling nauseous. I'm still feeling tired. I'm still feeling sore, still feeling very much pregnant. Yep. And so they said to us, okay, you can have to go back for another scan in a week's time so we can see what's happened, if there's any growth or if it's stopped or what's going on. So we go back the following week. Congratulations. Baby's grown seven days worth of growth in seven days. Heartbeat is stronger exactly where it should be. Yep this embryo is looking all on track. And just to give context to the listeners who haven't been pregnant before, so there's two different ways that they track your pregnancy in the early days. Mm-hmm. And that first one is through blood tests. So seeing if your HCG levels, the hormone that is produced by the baby, is rising in the amount that it should. And the second way is that they actually measure how big the baby is, which yep. they can do through the ultrasound. Mm-hmm. And then they go, okay, well, this coincides with if you're, say, six weeks pregnant, it should be X amount of centimeter, millimetres long. Yep. And that's how they continue to, like, update your scans and your um, due date as you move along. They don't keep testing your bloods no. after a certain point. They and just go off the If scan. you've had a natural pregnancy, often you won't know the exact ovulation date no. or your exact implantation date that's a kind of luxury of ivf or fertility treatment that you know your exact datings in most pregnancies that's not the case and you know you're sitting there what the measurement of the the gp is looking at you and going okay well what day do you think this happened and you're like um (laughs) i uh um so (laughs) and it's so hard to track because it's ovulation is just a nightmare who knows Uh, yeah unless you are one of those people that gets up every single morning and tracks their ovulation yeah, like when we were trying to backtrack when Ted was conceived, I couldn't have told you. Yeah. I had no idea. I was like, ah, uh, I had a period at some point in the month. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we just had to wait till we could date scan. So. Yeah, and that's how most people know where they are in their pregnancies, yeah. their datings and their measurings of the baby. So we went in for the second scans. This was about seven weeks, and they said, yep, yeah, everything's improving. So from that very first scan, things were tracking about four or five days behind. 
but it was doing the expected growth in the expected period. Yeah. So in seven days, it had grown seven days worth, although it was still a few days behind mm -hmm. where it should have been, which again, we only knew because it was an IVF pregnancy. And that's the weird thing, right? Like if you had conceived naturally, they would just chalk it up that you were rubbish with dates yeah. and just assume that everything yeah. was fine. They'd just be like, you don't know what your calendar's like. Yeah, exactly. So, but because we knew and they went, okay, there's still an abnormality here. From this second scan, we went to a very specific women's health clinic that I was referred to by my GP, who their sonographers are actually obese, which is mm. not the case for most sonographers. Most sonographers you go to will pop their findings in a report and send it off to an OB who will report, review it and send it off to you. So this clinic was women's only. They really only did pregnancy and fertility. And we chose this one, even though it was probably more expensive because I'm not the kind of person who can wait. I wanted a sonographer who could tell me what they were seeing as they were seeing yeah. it. And that's what we could get from these women. So we went in there for our second scan. Yep, everything's growing, everything looks fine. They couldn't really see any concerns with the embryo at all. We went, they said, okay, you still have to come back in a week because your blood still have basically stopped now and they should still be oh, doubling. Wow. This isn't normal. So we go back in the eighth week. Yep, there's still a heartbeat, still a fetus, has still grown another week's worth of growth, but there's less fluid around the fetus than we would expect. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which they said is not necessarily a major cause for concern. Mm, it's mm. just an abnormality. But again, heartbeat has increased. Everything's getting yeah. exciting. And it's so hard because there's such a wide spectrum of normal. Exactly. Like the one millimeter abnormal, can make but so many normal. differences. Like yeah. it's in that early stage, it's so hard to put you in a normal range. Mm. Um, but so at this point, eight weeks along, everything's looking almost perfect, except this tiny little bit, they'd like a bit more fluid around the embryo, but or fetus at this point, but it is what it is. Um, so at this point, we actually went and visited my in-laws who became skeptical that something was happening because I'm generally a caffeine drinker. I mm. do like my morning coffee. Mm -hmm. I don't drink coffee when I'm pregnant at all. And I very much limit it when I'm trying. Um, so my father-in-law got up. I think he had to offer me coffee three or four times and each time I declined. And he's like, okay, something's up. Yeah, it's like something's Did going on. Did he try on and here. give you a Coke and then he knew? <laughs> well, it's funny because we got there in the afternoon of the day before and, you know, everyone else is drinking and I'm not a big drinker, so it's not abnormal for me to not drink. Mm. Um, so I'm just sipping on a lemonade, which is fairly standard for me, but I think the dead giveaway was the coffee. And it was yeah. like, mm, okay, something's going on here because she's usually the first one into a coffee. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so we, said, we told them, we said, you know, we're not supposed to get too excited yet there's still quite a bit of abnormal stuff going on but we've had three ultrasounds they've all looked good and we're just over eight weeks pregnant we did these scans weekly and it was the first time my husband couldn't actually come with me he had a client scheduled we run our own business and it was going to be really difficult to move i was like don't worry about it like you know all our scans so far have been fine mm -hmm. um i guess i should backtrack and tell you that this was on a wednesday on the monday morning i'd woken up at about five o'clock in the morning feeling like something was wrong. That's the mm. anxious gut feeling that something wasn't right. Yep. Um, and I rang the ultrasound clinic that day and I said to them like, is there any way we can bring this forward a couple of days? We were still in COVID. A couple of their scanners were off with COVID. Mm -hmm. um, and they said, look, we don't have any availability, but you know, just try and take your mind off it. You know, you're not bleeding. You're not in any pain. Like you're probably just over anxious. Don't stress. Yeah. I was like, okay. One thing I've learned is that I, trust my gut now on mm -hmm, everything mm -hmm. I do because because you know your you, body I yeah. think you even texted me and was like I don't feel pregnant something's wrong yeah and like I woke up and besides the anxious feeling like my nausea had gone away overnight and 
it just didn't feel right. And I was like, something's not going on right here. So anyway, I waited and I went in for my Wednesday appointment. And as soon as this OB scanned, she was like, I'm really sorry. There's no longer a heartbeat. And at this point, I'm a, almost 10 weeks. And I said to her, oh, okay, I felt like something was wrong on Monday morning. And she's like, yep, that lines up with the measuring of probably when it stopped. She goes, your gut feeling was probably right on point. Um, she's almost like your body has woken up from its sleep in the moment that it's happened. Oh, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. like that's crazy, but it's insane that our bodies can be that so I think at first I was quite numb like I didn't cry in the clinic and she was like you know I'll go and I'll give you some time to get dressed and you can take as long as you need in the room and I was like yeah no I'm I'm okay like it was so weird and because usually I am a crier like Mm. I'm a very emotional person and I was just like I think so in shock and I was like oh I was not expecting this and I think because you just went into the appointment like it was any other appointment like Yes, you'd felt a bit funny on the Monday, but because everyone had just been reassuring you, oh, I'm sure everything's yeah. fine, in your head you went into that appointment assuming yeah. that everything would be fine. And because everyone said to me, like, oh, you know, if there was a problem, you would be bleeding or you would mm. be cramping or, yeah. you know, like, if you had those symptoms, we would send you to the hospital, but you're not having any reason to feel like there's something yeah. wrong. So yeah. they almost kind of wrote it off, like, there's nothing wrong with you, you're just being anxious. I was all right, well... And so, yeah, so I walked back to my car and I rang my husband and I was just like, uh, there's no longer a heartbeat. And that's when I started crying. And I was like, how the hell did this happen? And so this was actually the Wednesday before Easter. Yeah. So (laughs) So, like a year post-trauma. So thank you for reliving it with us. And so I rang my husband, I spoke to you, and then I rang my GP. And mm. I said, look, this is what's happened. I don't know what to do from here. Like, what, what is the process? Yeah, because it's not like they told you in the ultrasound, okay, no. well, you need to get in contact with your GP and no. at this stage we do blah. So, yeah, so I rang her and I was like, what the hell do I do? Um, and she was like, well, you've, you've got a couple of options. So you can let your body try and pass the tissue naturally. Um, which is generally a bit of a longer process, but it is, I guess, the most natural of processes mm. if your body can do so. Um, you can have a DNC, which is a duret and cartilage, or I can't even ever say that word. Um, but that's where they go in and they actually remove the tissue, usually under anaesthetic in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Or you can take a medication that kind of pushes your body to eject it. I didn't want to wait around for it to happen naturally, but I also didn't want to have a DNC. So with a dnc there is a tiny 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 percent risk of chance that they can damage your lining yeah it's minuscule but it's still there and i was not willing to take any risk that was going to do anything because you'd already like by this stage like you've been trying for so long i don't think you wanted to take any risk that might prolong exactly to get pregnant again yeah so my recommend, or my preference was to take the medication. I knew that I probably wasn't going to handle very well waiting and just seeing what mm. happened. So I was like, yep, yeah, let's just take the medication and get this done and dusted. So you have to get a referral from your GP who then sends that to the hospital. The hospital then book you into their early pregnancy units and then they do their assessment. Um, there's a almost like a training you have to undergo for about an hour where they explain to you how the medicine works, what it's going to do. And it's, it's a, quite a serious process. You can't yeah. just and I rock think up and take it kind exactly. of thing. Exactly. And they need to be a hundred percent sure, because obviously if you 
were not wanting to have the pregnancy, but it was still alive. Yeah. If they need to make sure that that's not the situation. Yeah, exactly. So we, my GP and I had figured that being Wednesday afternoon, we would get me in on Thursday because Friday was a public holiday. Um, unfortunately, when I spoke to the hospital the next morning, that was just not going to happen. Um, they had been all booked out that day. There was no way of it happening. And they just could not get me in until the next week. And they said, oh, look like, you know, it's been five days. Nothing may happen till next week. So you might be okay. So, you know, book in to come and see us on Tuesday. And from there we will sit down and take a look. Mm. So I was like, all right, fine. Like nothing's going to happen. You know, they say it can take a couple of weeks for anything to happen anyway. We'll just go with it. Thursday, Friday roll around. My in-laws came down for Easter Saturday. Um, we just went and played some top golf, had mm. a cruisy lunch, and just had a nice day. And then because you were feeling like reasonably normal, at this yeah. Day, by this you? point, like all the pregnancy symptoms, the fatigue, and the nausea and stuff had gone away. But I still didn't have any kind of cramping or bleeding or anything mm. like that. And it's such a strange feeling to know that there's a fetus inside of you, but it's no longer alive. Like yeah. it's, it's the weirdest feeling because you're still acting like you're pregnant and being cautious and being careful but you don't really have to be anymore and it's so confusing so we got home they went home everything was fine evening was normal went to bed woke up in absolutely excruciating pain at about Mm. 10 o'clock at night um was like oh my god i am dying something is seriously wrong with me what is happening like I i can't deal with this something is very very wrong here and then I started to pass all the tissue and I was like, okay, well, this is happening now. Like, of course, on Saturday when there's no doctors open or anything, no one I can really ring, um, this is going to happen. Great. And I think for me, what I wasn't prepared for was the pain. So in a very, very early miscarriage, it's similar to a heavy period. It can be a little bit more painful, but once you kind of get to a point where the fetus start developed, it's much more painful because your body almost acts as if it's birthing that tissue. Yeah, um, right. Your uterus is contracting to try and expel it all and it's extremely painful, which I wasn't aware of. No one no, had warned me of this. Know. I had no idea. So here I am bleeding, painful, thinking I'm dying and hemorrhaging on the bathroom floor. Um, rang the uh, after hours number and they were like, well, you can present to the hospital, but unless they they deem that you are hemorrhaging, they will just send you home. Like mm. there's no need. Um, so I texted you and I was like, can you ask Ash if I'm dying? What is happening? Is this normal? Like yeah. what is happening here? Um, so that all happened. It was a rough few days, but it happened and we got there. And on the Tuesday morning, I rang them and I was like, well, this is what happened over the weekend. The girl I spoke to was a different person to the person I spoke to on the Thursday. And she couldn't have been more apologetic that they hadn't prepared me. Because in hindsight, if they had have looked properly at my file and seen that I was somewhere between nine and ten weeks when this happened, they would have known that it was going to be more painful and they would have arranged pain medication and they would have briefed me on it a little bit better. And I think that was the hardest thing, right? Like I remember you being like, what can I take? And I'm like, what do you have in the house? Like anything you have. But you didn't have any like Voltaren. You didn't have any hardcore Yeah, when you're pregnant... (laughs) or you're trying to conceive, like, you don't have those kind of pain meds around. All you have is pretty much, like, just bog-standard Panadol. Yeah. So you were just like, I-, I don't know what to do. Like, this is horrifically painful. Yeah. I think we said go to the hospital, but you'll probably be waiting there a while. Yeah. So 
tired and in the end they was like we're really sorry like we should have looked at this bit better we should have briefed you a bit better we should have organized pain relief for you we're really sorry but all you can do now is wait until the process finishes you can still bleed for another two weeks and then you go in to be scanned and have blood tests and make sure everything is finished yeah um they just make sure that there's no leftover tissue in your body because that can cause infections and stuff of course, yeah. um, and in that case you would have to have a dnc in the very beginning of my first trimester it was excitement for the following five weeks it was the utmost confusion because mm-hmm. we were getting awful blood tests but amazing ultrasounds and just not knowing what was happening. Mm. Towards the end of that, we started to get a little bit excited because things seemed to be overruling the blood yeah. results, and then it just all came crashing down. In the midst of this, I was incredibly nauseous, incredibly tired, and had the sorest boobs I've ever had. <laughs> it was just an absolute, absolute mindfuck. Sorry for the language. Um, but, yeah, I think my anxiety levels were so up and down because yeah. I didn't know what to expect. It was absolutely crazy. So and it was I... your first round as well. Like yeah. that's that's the thing. All of this is happening and it's the first time you've gone through this entire process. Yeah. And I think if I compare it to the second time that I got pregnant, that one I miscarried a lot earlier. I was only six and a half weeks and it all happened on the same day. I woke up and I felt crampy and I was spotting and I knew something was very wrong and my body was telling me something was wrong. My bloods were perfect at this point. They were well into the thousands where they should have been, Mm -hmm. but something just felt really wrong in my body. And I actually had the miscarriage physically on that same day. And it was a lot, I guess, quicker of a process. Um, A bit less traumatic because there was no heartbeat and confusion and all this kind of stuff to Mm. compare. But... The symptoms for that pregnancy were very, very similar in the fact that I was exhausted and I was nauseous. But funnily enough, I didn't have the boob pain as much that time, even though my blood levels were higher. And I was almost convinced at the beginning of that pregnancy that maybe it didn't take because I... Yeah, I remember you being on and off and being like, I'm I'm flawed. I'm so tired like I was the first time, yet I don't feel as bad as I felt the first time. Yeah, the first time I couldn't take my bra on and off without like being in pain. I was like, this is really tender. Whereas the second time I was like, oh no, I can't really feel any sensitivity in my chest. So Mm. maybe I'm just tired. Um, But that fatigue symptom seems to be the telling thing for me because I am just screwed. Yeah. (laughs) From the second that embryo embryo implants, I am flawed. And that is, and I guess that's just my body. That's your turn. Putting all its energy into doing what it's supposed to be doing. Exactly. Um, Because it's a lot. It's a lot of work. Yeah. You know, those early days. So, yeah. And especially when you don't have caffeine to rely on. and you're Exactly. It's so rude, isn't it? (laughs) The time you need it the most, you're not supposed to have it. Yeah. So I think all in all with my early pregnancy first trimester symptoms, I'm relatively lucky in that my morning sickness didn't cultivate into spending all day vomiting into mm. a toilet bowl. As long as I was constantly eating something small, so yeah. I had crackers in my bag everywhere I went. Yeah. Um, as long as I constantly had a snack on hand and I was drinking plenty of water, I could generally keep that nausea at just nausea. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was just napping and snacking. That, yeah. that was my 10 weeks and that was what got me through. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. And do you have, like, fears for the next pregnancy? Um, I think I'm going to have anxiety of recurring fears now because recurrent miscarriage seems to be a trend. Okay. <laughs> um, the, the issue that I seem to have is my progesterone levels when I do get pregnant aren't high enough to hold that pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So in that first one, 
what happens is your placenta starts producing the progesterone at somewhere between 11 and 13 weeks. Mm -hmm. um, in the lead up to that, if you are doing a fertility treatment, you will take a supplementary progesterone, which I had been doing. And in hindsight, when we had our last scan, they could just see the beginnings of the forming of the placenta. And if my body could have held on using the supplementary progesterone for another couple of weeks, it may have stuck. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, it just could not hold on that little yeah. bit longer. Yeah. Whereas with the second pregnancy, my progesterone levels stayed so low from day dot. They yeah. were the bare minimum for cutoff um, that that was the other reason I think I wasn't as shocked because yeah. the progesterone was never high enough to indicate that it was going to carry a pregnancy. So that we don't know if it's just a fluke with my body, if it has any correlation to my PCOS. Mm -hmm. It could just be a thing. Um, there's no real confirming science on that. Yeah. It's just what my body seems to do. Yeah, right. So going into our new transfers, we will have added different types of progesterone. So yeah, okay. there'll be pessaries, there'll be uh, oral tablets. We're going to try a few different options to mm -hmm. see if my body will absorb it better in different ways yeah. um, because that seems to be my recurring problem, which makes sense that the first pregnancy i felt so much worse because progesterone is what makes you feel unwell awful yeah it's so rude it's it's shocking it's, <laughs> it's not fun no but it is what it is but i think overall i have been very lucky that my pregnancies haven't been except for the way they ended um the actual part of being pregnant wasn't the worst in the yeah. world i could still function i was nothing like someone who had HG and was not yeah, able to get out of bed. That sounds um, I was a relatively normal functioning human except for two to three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Just <laughs> needed that cat nap. Just needed that energy. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I guess I will go on about my two now. Uh, just going to take a quick little break because this pregnant lady has to pee every <laughs> half an hour. And as we clock over to half an hour, I have to pee. Back in a we'll be back. We're back. We are back. Okay, thank you. Hopefully the, no time will have passed for you guys, but time has passed for us. That is definitely one of my big symptoms for first trimester is I have to pee every half an hour, which is really not conducive to life. But anyway, so I definitely feel that my two pregnancies have been quite different in terms of first trimester. So, and whether it's just a matter of like, you block these things out and you don't remember until you're reliving. <laughs> but so that those who have listened to, I think it was episode two pod uh, about Ted's arrival. I realized that I was pregnant because I was out running and I kept getting really sharp stabbing pains in my abdomen. And I didn't notice any sort of difference in terms of like the way I was feeling. And it wasn't until like I went into the doctor and I was like, oh, I'm having these problems and I can't eat every time I eat. I feel really sick, like not vomity sick. I thought I had sort of like a gastro issue. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I think something's wrong or, you know, I'm getting a lot of hip pain, lower abdomen pain. Like, I don't know if I pulled a muscle when I was running or something. And that from that, that's how we kind of did some investigation and worked out that I was actually pregnant. And then I think probably, so we worked out, I was pregnant around six weeks and then I definitely got that hardcore fatigue. Yeah. Like I remember just having days where I was lying on the couch for just hours being like, oh my God, I'm so tired. <laughs> what is this? And it's, it's not like I've stayed up all night 
you know, feeding my baby kind of tired. It's something It's like different. a physically, I can't keep standing or keep my eyes open. I'm going to drop to the floor. Kind Literally. Of tired, it's like... like if you've ever had influenza, like proper influenza, that entire body ache, fatigue, minus the cold, that's what it feels and like. And you could legitimately sleep endlessly. Like oh, it's not one of those things where anyway. your ties need to sit. Like I would fall asleep at the drop of a hat. Absolutely. I think I fell asleep at the dinner table several times. <laughs> So my first pregnancy, first six weeks were fine, didn't really notice too much. Then the next six weeks, I really got absolutely smashed with fatigue. I had nausea, but not vomiting. And I think I was the same as you. Like I just needed like a snack and I was good. Something savory and then I would be fine. Yeah. I was terrified the entire time I was going through my first pregnancy and in my first trimester. And in my head, I was convinced I was going to lose the baby because it was, it just seemed to be around me a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, I think this is when Laura from Uncut, um, she talked about her yeah. loss, pregnancy loss. And then a friend of mine, not you, another friend, I uh, found out she'd lost her baby because she ended up reconceiving a couple of weeks after me um and then she announced about a month after me and then she was like oh i actually was pregnant a couple of months ago but i lost the baby so in my head i was like this isn't going to work like there's no way this is going to work and because i felt so tired and i didn't feel great and i never felt like that in my body before yeah <clears throat> like when i got pregnant with ted i was really quite healthy like i had I was running, running yeah, I was running and... really like just enjoying exercise. I was enjoying food. Like my body had been a stable weight, which is a huge thing for me. If you've listened last week's episode about, um, you know, issues with body image and disordered mm -hmm. eating, I used to fluctuate so much, but I'd gotten to a point where I was really stable in my weight. I was really, really healthy. Skin was good. Nails grew, hair grew. Everything was good. I was exercising regularly and enjoying it. Which ultimately are all the parameters for getting pregnant is being yeah. as healthy as you can be. That's so, okay. um, so when I got pregnant, I just, you know, I didn't feel good. And I was like, oh, this is not an enjoyable experience. <laughs> and I remember that that fatigue really stopped when I hit probably it must have been like 12, 13 weeks, which was really good. And I think once I finished my first trimester and I made it through and everything was fine, like that anxiety of losing the baby started to calm down a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I think I, like I did silly things, like I wouldn't even take bump picks for the first trimester because I was so terrified something was going to go wrong. And then I'd look back at the photos and I'd be upset. That's what I kept thinking in my head. I was like, I don't want to get too excited. Like we didn't yeah. even announce our pregnancy until I was about 20 weeks. Yeah, you're a fair way along. So like I told close, close friends, but I think I even messaged you guys and I said, hey, I've found out that I'm pregnant, but I don't want to make a big deal out of it yet. I'm telling you guys in case something goes wrong, I need support. Yeah. That's how I announced my pregnancy. Well, and I remember when you told me like at this point, Head wasn't coming out positive on a pee stick. Either. No. So you weren't getting these at home. No. That. No, I and never got that. No. And I remember, like, within a day of finding out, I bought you this gift basket. And I know that you had said to me, you want to be so cautious, but it yes. still felt like we need to celebrate it. And yeah. you were so scared to do that. I was. But it was like, well, either way, here's a gift basket full of stuff that you're either going to need or it's going to make you feel better. But, like, we need to 
appreciate this is happening too yes. and still celebrate that you are pregnant and yeah. hopefully this baby ends up being here. Which I'm so grateful for that I had someone like you because like I was I didn't want to tell anyone. <laughs> like Ash and I were really excited, but I because there had been so much uh miscarriage around me, I was just so convinced it was gonna happen to me and I didn't want to celebrate and make a big deal out of it and then have to upset other people as well i was like i don't think i can carry other people's grief when this happens to me mm. and i just thought that it's going to happen of course it's going to happen it happens to one in four like that's that's you know i'm going to be another statistic like i was just so terrified yeah. that that was going to happen and you were so positive through the whole thing and it was like once i'd gotten that scan so because I was so sick and my GP was convinced I was pregnant pretty early on from like four or five weeks. She's like, I think you're just pregnant. And I was like, I think I have gastro. Um, <laughs> you appendicitis. Yeah, you like, have every illness something under else. the sun. You were like, I'm going to test for this and yeah. we better look at this and maybe I've got this. And you were convinced you were dying. Yeah. And no, my GP just ran my bloods and was like, it's a baby. Like I told <laughs> you it was the baby. But yes, yeah, so we ended up having a scan pretty early on. They couldn't see anything, but they kept saying to me, I can't see anything, but that doesn't mean that there's not a baby there. It just means it's too small for me to be able to see on the ultrasound. Yeah. And so I think we scanned at like four weeks, five weeks, six weeks. And because I had conceived naturally, I didn't have that set date of ovulation yeah. and we were trying to work it out and it wasn't making any sense and everyone was very confused and I was like, but this is where my period was. They're like, that's impossible. And as we said, most people don't see much on a scan till about seven weeks. Seven yeah. weeks is when most places will scan you because that's when you should see something. Before yeah. that, it's not abnormal to not see anything. Yeah. So at six weeks, we got the positive blood test and at this point still my pee was not coming up <laughs> on a, a pregnancy test. And I was like, okay, so my blood says I am pregnant, but my pee says that I'm not. And like, I drink like two, three liters of water a day. So there's a good chance I was just diluting it yep. way too much for the HCG because it's quite low in that point anyway yep. to come up. So who knows why it didn't work, but it wasn't working. Anyway, six weeks come and we get a positive pregnancy from the blood test. And it comes up and they're like, okay, so the blood test is definitely showing positive pregnancy. So we'll get you to go along next week and have a scan. And then from there, seven weeks, we got the scan, saw the fetal pole, saw the heartbeat. And we we're like, okay, that's good. But it wasn't measuring exactly to the date that they thought, because like I said, like something skewy was going on with my ovulation date. And it was probably just like my period's a little skewed. Yeah. So the ovulation date didn't really match up. But as it went along, it stopped mattering. And unless you do a blood test, unless you're like tracking your ovulation with a blood test, you can't know for sure. You can take your temperature, you can test all different things, measuring on an app and stuff. But the only thing that can confirm you ovulate is a blood test. Which I absolutely did not do. Yeah. So after that, I think I started to feel a little more comfortable. And then it was like... From seven weeks, I think I had to wait till 10 weeks to the next scan. And I just remember feeling so much anxiety in that period because I was like, well, you know, it, it might not work still. Mm. Like, you know, there's there's a good chance that it still won't work because, you know, people lose their babies between seven and 10 weeks. That happens all the time. Yeah. And I just remember feeling so much anxiety between the scan weeks because mm. it's not like, you know, once you're 
20 plus weeks you can always feel your baby so you know that everything's all good so I was just constantly sort of stuck in this little cycle of fear and I was trying to be excited but at the same time I was just like okay well I still feel awful so I guess then everything's fine and that was the (laughs) way I kind of judged if I was okay and whether everything was okay but I just remember every time I got to go to a scan I felt so much relief yeah so I was like oh thank god everything's okay and then it was like so the nip test you do from like sort of 10 11 weeks and I remember like going to that and being like, oh my God, they're going to tell me something's wrong with my kid. Like, this is definitely going to be the time where I find out something horrible has happened. And it was fine. And it continued to be fine. And I just had it in my head that things were not okay. And I think, honestly, I remember even going to do our pregnancy announcement and it was 20 weeks. And I was like, is this too early? Should we be doing this? And like at this point, you're halfway through your pregnancy. Yeah. And also, if you looked at me, I looked very pregnant. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just had to try and get over it. And the fact that yourself and Tiana, my, one of my other girlfriends, you guys decided to take me out and celebrate and you bought something for him. And I hadn't bought any clothes for him because I was just like, I don't want to have to deal with this. If things yeah. don't work out, that's going to break my heart to have this stuff around. And I just was like, I can't emotionally cope with this. I'm not going to be okay. And I just had that mentality for so long. And I kick myself now because going into this second pregnancy, I have totally been different about it. And I've felt much, much sicker and I've had everything under the sun in terms of sickness. I've had a viral infection. I have had gastro. I've now had a horrible cold. Which, if you do follow old wives' tales, they do say girls make you sicker. And I said this weeks ago before you knew she was a girl. So... I reckon they work. Well, you know, I, I happen to agree with some of the pregnancy ones because everyone kept saying to me, oh, you can't tell if they've got hair, blah, blah, blah. And I had heard that if you have really bad reflux, they have hair. And then very, like, towards the end of the scans, you can actually start to see the hair on the ultrasound. And I was like, see, everyone, I told you. And then when he came out, he had this, like, full, full head of hair. And I was like, see, it's true. But anyway, we're getting off topic. So, yeah, my first trimester with Ted, I was super, super sick in terms of like the fatigue and the nausea. I didn't get all the colds and the other kind of sickness like I have this time around, but I certainly, yeah, the fatigue, oh, it's just next level. It's so bad. Um, But the fear was so high in that first pregnancy. This pregnancy, we found out at about four to five weeks and it was because it came up on a pee test this time it did work so I don't know if like having an almost toddler is making me dehydrated because I get to drink water (laughs) but it did work and also I was a bit more conscious of like when my period had been Mm -hmm. I wasn't tracking it like I had been the last time because we just never went back on contraception after Ted was born we were just like ah, we'll just see what happens yeah Um, so I think I was just like, oh, I think I'm pregnant. And I just kind of, my period had disappeared. I've had it since, I don't know, Ted was like two months old. I've 
got really yeah. jibbed on that side of things. So. <laughs> you didn't get to go oh. the extra six to 12 months <laughs> No, no, even with the breastfeeding, it didn't make any difference. So I was pretty conscious, like, oh, my, my period's disappeared. I think I'm probably pregnant. And then at, like, six weeks, I just it was awful. I was so sick. And I've been so sick this entire trimester. Ever since. <laughs> oh, my God, I can't catch a break. Whether it's, like, getting the sniffles or... You know, the gastro was really bad. The viral infection was awful. I literally have just, like, woken up in the middle of the night, jumped out of bed and vomited. Mm. Like, it's just been absolutely Which, hell. again, is somewhat normal <laughs> because your immune system is lowered because your body's putting all its energy That's into growing that human. Exactly right, But yeah. it's a really shitty feeling to be constantly unwell. And especially when you're already fatigued. Like, Ted is a good kid and, you know, he doesn't, cause a lot of problems but the nights he doesn't sleep and then I get sick it is unfathomable how tired I am like when he was a newborn and people would say oh sleep when the baby sleeps ha ha I didn't really do that because I was back to work and I didn't really need to I have actually just taken two months off work because I have been so unwell and I was trying to push through and I literally called in like three or four friends to help me with my last booking because I could not do it. Yeah. So that just anyone who knows me knows how dedicated I am to my business. To know that I've just had to rope people in to come and help me. For you to reach out and ask for help is massive because you're always like, no, I can do it. Like I'll just go an hour earlier. I'll stay an hour it. late and it's I fine. Could not. I could not and do it. So for you to actually say like, hey, I need some help, it's like, oh, okay, like she's really unwell yeah. and she's really struggling. It, like, it, yeah, it's been a real struggle. The good thing has been that I really haven't had the anxiety this time around. Mm-hmm. And I think that just knowing that it was – it w- there's nothing I could do about it. Like it wasn't like there, if, if it wasn't going to work out, it wasn't going to work out. And I think quite a few times I've thought, oh, I can't be this sick and everything be okay with bub. Mm. And I definitely have still had those anxieties just before a scan mm-hmm. because you're sort of walking, you're waiting and you're waiting, waiting, waiting in the room and then they go in. And the last scan I had with my OB uh, she was sort of digging around for a little bit and I was like, oh, it's not, it's not going to go ahead. And she's like, oh, there we go. And it was just because, like, I drank so much water that <laughs> <laughs> my blood was very full and obscuring everything in the way. So just kind of had to dig around for it. But then, you know, I went in for my nip test and with Ted, he was so frustrating with the nip test. Like, my ultrasound was like, your kid just won't won't comply. Like it just it's not doing what I need it to do. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Like we didn't even know he was a boy or a girl at that stage. And I was like, oh, sorry, my little bean is not where it's supposed to be. This time it was literally like 25 minutes. Like last time it took three hours to do the next yep. with Ted. This time it was 25 minutes. He was in, done. She was fine. She would like wave to us and everything, and <laughs> more than happy to comply. Absolutely, like stretched out her little legs and her feet and they're like, yep, okay, so that's the feet, that's all good and we actually got good pictures. With Ted, I have one photo (laughs) from the entire nine months that you can actually somewhat see him. The rest of the time he was like feet in front of his face, hands in front of his face, looking at the back, they couldn't get to him, like everything. (laughs) This girl, she's just like, oh, hey, mom, like waving, stretching out her little legs, doing a little somersault, doing all the things that they need. So... I think that has certainly like helped the anxiety. Every time I go, they're like, oh, everything's good. Yeah. So I think that has certainly helped. And I'm just like, I think because I have Ted, 
I'm just like, okay, well, if the worst thing happens, I have my little boy and I have my little miracle and I'm going to be okay and I have to be okay because I have him. And that's a weird way to think about it, but it's the thing that gets me through the anxiety and pushes it away. For me, it's to just be like, you have Ted, you've done this before, you can do this again, everything is going to be okay, you just have to give yourself over to the universe because i mean amy you have done everything that every person has ever told you, you do. yeah and it has not made any change to things no so, and you can be the healthiest version of yourself and if your body doesn't want to be pregnant it's not going to be yeah. um i think i said this to you in frustration just after the last transfer yeah. what more can i do like i do everything i give up coffee, I give up everything, like I change all my lifestyle, all my diet, I take all the medications, all the supplements, a complete overhaul. It's like, what? And I, I messaged you and I was like, what more can I bloody do? This is yeah. ridiculous. But you can't. And if you are being the healthiest version of yourself, you have no control yeah. over anything. And you realistically, even if you're not the healthiest version of yourself, you don't have a lot of control anyway. Yeah. There's very little you can do to cause a miscarriage yeah. unless you're trying to. What, like, what's it? Once it's happening and, you know, once the pregnancy is taken hold, you just, you're along for the ride. Yeah. You're a vessel and you can, you know, take take your supplements and that'll help. But the, it's not like you have full control over whether the pregnancy is going to see term yeah. or not. And I still get a little worried sometimes because I'm like, what if she's born preemie, you know, or what if something happens? What if I have a really late miscarriage? Like it, it the thought pops up sometimes but I think hitting the 13 weeks tomorrow has just it's like alleviated the pressure and I'm just like we've made it this far we just have to keep going and and I don't think your body's done it once before yeah like it knows what to do it's done it before it can do it again yeah I just have to put faith in it and say well you know this is what you, you've done it before Ted is literal living perfection so <laughs> Yeah. little bias there so I just have to kind of give it over but I can understand how scared and fearful people are the first time around and I just if I could give any advice to anyone who is feeling that way it's just cut yourself some slack and do try and celebrate it because when you're looking back and when you come to your second pregnancy it's a little bit sad to not have photos of your bump from the first couple of weeks when they were coming around and this time I've been really diligent every Monday morning I wake up and I put on the same little outfit and I take my bump photo because I didn't do it with Ted and I feel like it's a disservice to him because I was afraid and you don't have to share them like from someone who's who's done that for some like I took photos I took every photo I did everything hoping that pregnancy would progress and I still got them and at first, I couldn't look at them. Mm. I was like, oh, my God, I couldn't even look at the photos of the pregnancy test. I just could not bear it. But now it's it's a reminder of where my body can get to yeah. and that it's done this once before. Yeah. And I feel like it's, as you said, you're missing out. It's yeah. a, you're not enjoying those moments that you should be yeah. because it's it's not the worst thing in the world. And ultimately, if you're really not coping with them, if the worst happens, you just delete them yeah. or have someone else delete them. Yeah. It's... But you'd rather have them to go back to than not have them because you were so scared. Yeah, it's such a disservice to yourself. And I just think, like, I get how scary it is. And if you feel that same way and you're just living in your little fear bubble, I get it. But try and just give yourself 
the breathing space to embrace what your body is doing because even if it doesn't get all the way like you said amy it's a miracle anyway like it's still amazing to see that your body has started that process or that you got through and it's almost like a way of honoring the child even if they don't get all the way yeah it's still you still have that memory of them you still have something to be able to go back to and to revisit and feel that connection to them as well yeah absolutely i think it's so important my stretch marks will be there forever. <laughs> You've got your permanent marks yep. on you. Yeah. But yeah. No, it's it's a miracle and I just want to give a big hug to anybody who's going through it. Also, if you're really sick, girl, I'm so sorry. It and sucks. And you're allowed to feel shit if you feel shit in your yeah. first trimester. And I think that's a conversation we've had a few times. Oh, so many like, times. I'm, like, I'm so sorry. I'm complaining. And I was I like, know. girl, you're allowed to complain. I know how you feel. Like, you feel disgusting and you feel oh. tired. And I would give anything to feel like shit, but you still feel like shit. Yeah. And it there's nothing you can do. Like you you no one's going to enjoy every second of pregnancy. Yeah. It is stressful, it is painful, it is nauseating, and you're allowed to feel like crap. Yeah. You can feel incredibly grateful and feel like shit at the same time, and that's yeah. totally fine. But yeah, I think <laughs> I've said to you you'd, you'd be like, hey, I'm like Honestly, I feel like absolute crap, but I don't want to whinge to you. And you're like, hey, just because you're feeling a certain kind of way, like, does not mean that your feelings are invalid. You're allowed to feel like shit. If you feel like shit, that's okay. Yeah. Because it's just a lot. It is. Oh, well, hopefully we'll, um get this this cold won't continue on through the whole thing (laughs) i know that can happen because it happened at the end of my pregnancy with ted Mm -hmm. i had horrendous like the nasal drip that you get and you can't clear your sinuses i was like nose spraying through like the last month of my pregnancy which i know you're supposed to do but i did and you know he's fine so (laughs) hopefully you get a bit of reprieve now coming out of this first trimester and really settle down a bit and yeah i I definitely feel like i have my energy back which is good i'm going back to work next month i've got a couple of bookings on i feel like i can cope with them so yeah i mean even just trying to like live with a toddler and go to the gym and just full-time mum some days I'm like oh my god I'm exhausted (laughs) I'm like how did I do this the first time I'm like oh I didn't have a one-year-old you know what baffles me though people who don't realize they're pregnant in that first trimester yeah I'm like I don't get it how unconnected are you to your body (laughs) or like how are you completely symptom free like how do you not get that exhaustion unicorns I'm assuming you know you see people go oh she found out she was pregnant at 25 weeks how how did that happen yeah yeah and i mean the bloat as well like Mm. this time around so i think i've said it before like i didn't really show too much until i was like 16 20 weeks pregnant with ted uh yeah at six weeks i had like a little belly and i was like um (laughs) i'm going to the gym like i've cleaned up my I'm, I'm healthy. What is going on here? I'm eating well, like, and I have this little gut going on. I'm like, this is, I don't think this is right. I'm like, I don't think you're supposed to put on weight after you've had the baby and it's been six months and you get back into the gym. Why am I putting weight on? Turns out I was having a baby, so. And yeah, you have popped a bit earlier this time. Yeah, no, definitely. definitely. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty obvious. So I had to start telling people because I didn't want to. I ran into a friend I used to work with at um, the shops the other day and I think she was like, hey, and like kind of gave me a quizzical look and I didn't say anything and I saw her the next night and we had dinner and I was like oh by the way I'm pregnant <laughs> and I feel like it clicked in her head like oh she doesn't just have a gut that's good <laughs> which again if you revisit last week's episode we just if you have a gut baby girl get your gut it's fine but yeah it was 
yeah, it's it, it's a different beast second time around. I don't know how people have like five and six kids because I don't think I have the energy for that. No. One in a pregnancy is enough for me. I'm tired. All power to you. But... <laughs> not for me. Not yeah. for me. Can't do it. Not that much of a super mum. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I reckon that will wrap us. It's a bit of a long one, but thank you for sticking through if you're all the way here to the end. And tell us, how has your first trimester's been? Have your symptoms been the same as ours? Have they been better? Have they been worse? We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone's got a different experience and hopefully we will go back through it again when I say we, my husband and I, in a few months' time and yes. we will fill you in if anything changes. But share with us. We would love you to join us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook and how's your journey been? Yeah, absolutely. And don't forget, guys, when you are listening, pop it up onto your Instagram feed so other mamas and people of interest can find us, mm -hmm. share our podcast around. We are now in 13 different countries. Thank you to everyone who tunes in. Sorry if we talk too fast for the foreigners. <laughs> I know that can be a bit difficult. Like, I can't understand a word those Aussie girls are saying. Hopefully <laughs> so you can slow us down on Spotify or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, that'll do for us this week, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. We will chat with you next week. Bye. Bye.